you're new with us, um, we're in a message series called The Grudge. And so we're talking about overcoming offenses and we're asking the big questions about forgiveness. Um, and week one, I'm gonna just kind of walk us through it a little bit. Week one, if you haven't been here, we've, we've talked about uh, in week one, overcoming offenses that weigh us down or hold us back. The second week, um, we talked about the big stuff. We talked about betrayal, um, when someone has lied to us or about us or deceived us in a significant way. Um, how do we forgive that? And then last week, we talked about giving up the God grudge. How do we reconcile with God and, and make things right when we feel like maybe, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't answered our prayer or we've, we've gone through something and it just seems like he hasn't done something that we think that he should have done. And so today, I wanna talk about um, forgiving the person that um, may be the most difficult for many people to forgive and that is forgiving yourself. Um, how do you forgive yourself when you've let yourself down? Or, or, or maybe you're mad for kind of what we were talking about last week for, for you know, letting God down. Um, or, or maybe you hurt somebody that you love. So when you think about it, this can be so difficult because we know what we did, right? That we shouldn't have done. And, and we wish that we could undo it, right? We, we know the words that we said that maybe we didn't really mean. I mean, well, maybe we kind of meant it at the time or in the heat of the moment, but you know, it, it really is not our heart, um, but we said it and now we kind of hurt somebody. We, maybe we really hurt somebody. And we know what we think about when nobody else is around. We know that stuff that's circling in our head and we carry the shame, we carry the guilt. How can I forgive myself after what I did or after who I am in this particular situation? And um, so this has been a real issue for me at different times. And I'm gonna put on, do not disturb, forgive me. I just wasn't prepared this morning with my laptop. Um, <clears throat> this has been a real issue for me. At, at different times in my life. And I don't know about you, but I've done some stuff. You know, I've, I've done things either unintentionally or intentionally that have hurt people. And the, the guilt and the shame of the things that I've done and the people that I've hurt has weighed heavily on me. And so when we become followers of Jesus and we start to understand the forgiveness of Jesus, Sometimes we think, okay, so he forgives me, but how do I forgive myself? Because I feel like I'm still carrying some of that stuff. So I don't know what it might be for you. Maybe you, you know, drank too much one night and, and you did something that you can't undo or you said something you, that you can't unsay. Maybe it was years ago, um, you were in your teens or in your early 20s and you, you, you felt concerned in a, 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 or cornered in a very desperate situation and, and you, you made what you thought was the right decision at the time, but you, know, you have regretted it ever since. Maybe in the name of loving your family, you did what you thought was best and you poured yourself into work. I'm gonna be a good provider. I'm, I'm gonna be successful for my family. And then years went by and years went by and suddenly you're disconnected with your kids and you think, you know, what did I do? What, uh, why did I do that the whole time? The most important thing was right in front of me and yet I just poured my life into something else and I can't get over the guilt um, uh, that I neglected my family. 
Maybe, you know, you found yourself in a really odd spot in your marriage, and instead of stepping uh, into your marriage, you stepped out. And you did something. You betrayed your spouse, and you just can't get over the guilt that you feel. Maybe it's the, the clicking and the looking at things that, you know, you know you shouldn't be looking at, and you really do love God, and you really do love your spouse, uh, but you, you keep going back and back and back and back again, and the shame and the guilt sometimes can be just overwhelming. So what do you do when what you did haunts you? When the guilt you know, just simply, it just feels like it won't go away. Why can't I forgive myself? Um, what do you do with that kind of guilt? And so I want to start today by acknowledging something that I think is very important. Not all guilt on your notes, in the back side of your uh, bulletins, if you have them, not all guilt is created equal. Some of you are living under what we might call a false guilt. Um, in other words, you know, you're feeling guilt for something that you shouldn't feel guilty about. Maybe it was, you know, that you were a kid or a teenager when your parents divorced, right? And that's, this is kind of a common story. You feel like somehow in some way that it was your fault. I should have done something. It's all my fault that they divorced. Uh, that it, can I just say that's not your fault? <laughs> I know you've probably heard that before. Uh, but that is something that's called false guilt, uh, tragically, I come across so many people that were victims of someone who abused their power. Um, there might be some of you here um, that someone that you trusted and you loved um, took advantage of you and maybe uh, physically or they emotionally abused you. Um, and so often, it's so tragic and it's so sad, but the victim often feels ashamed associated with that. And in, and in some way, they think, well, I, I must have done something wrong. It, it must have been my fault, or it was my fault. It wasn't your fault. It wasn't your fault. That, that was not your fault. And, and so don't buy into the enemy's game. Listen, this is the enemy's game of shaming you with false guilt. Maybe you had a close friend or a family member who took their life. And for years, that has weighed on you. You know, you know, it must have been my fault. If only I would have said something. If only I had done this. What if I had reached out? On and on and on, and the guilt just seems like it won't go away. It might take a therapist to help you understand and process through those situations to understand that the fault is not yours. You know, he wasn't in a good place mentally, spiritually. He wasn't in a good place emotionally. He was out of sorts and he made the wrong decision. So listen, false guilt is always dangerous. It's always non-productive. It's not from God. And maybe most importantly, we need to let it go. False guilt is dangerous and we need to let it go. It's a false guilt. Not all guilt is created equal. There's another type of guilt, and this guilt can actually, believe it or not, can be a gift when you let it draw you closer to God. The right type of guilt can actually be a gift when it draws you into the presence of God. In fact, so 2 Corinthians chapter 7 tells us this. Watch, watch this, verse 10. God designed us to feel remorse over sin. 
in order to, everybody say in order to, in order to produce what? Repentance. Everybody, we're familiar. If you've been around long enough, you know that that is the word metanoia there. So to produce an, an aha moment in us that leads to victory. God designed us to feel remorse over sin in order to produce this aha moment that leads to victory. And this leaves us with what? No regrets. No regrets. A remorse that says, I, I wish I hadn't done that. This wasn't the right thing. I dishonored God. I, I hurt somebody. I would give anything to do that over again. That leads us to Jesus and it leads us to no regret. A godly remorse, it leads you to Jesus. I'm so sorry, right? It leads us to victory and it leads us to no regret. But there's another type of guilt or sorrow that's a worldly sorrow. And the verse finishes by saying, the sorrow of the world works death. So let's talk about godly sorrow for a second. This is a feeling, sometimes we call it a conviction. Oh man, I did something that's not right. This type of conviction can actually be good and it can be helpful because it can take you off of a wrong path and it can put you on to a right path. So this is a godly sorrow that says, you know what? I don't wanna live that way anymore. I don't want to uh, be like that. I don't want to say what I said anymore. I, I, I want to change directions. I want to change my behavior. I, I want to apologize. I, I, I want to live in freedom. I want to express God's love and heal from what happened in the past. And so there's a big difference between a godly sorrow and a worldly sorrow. So a good example of godly sorrow is Peter in the New Testament. Right? So many of you can probably relate to Peter. I know I can. You know, Peter was a, a, a guy that had a, a lot of good qualities. And then he would just do something like stupid on steroids, right? <laughs> like how many times can you relate to that, okay? And, and so you're, you're going the, the right direction. You're honoring God. You're doing good things. You're in the zone, you know? And then one day, boom. You, you do something that you immediately wish you hadn't. Where did that come from? Right? This was Peter. Unfortunately, that can be me. Right? That can, Peter's kind of bragging on himself and, you know, Jesus, I'm your guy. I'm your man. He walks up to him. You know, he gives him the, the handshake and the bro hug, you know, and, and he's, he's, he's just, do, everybody else denies you, not me. I got your back. I'm, your, I'm in your corner. He's saying all this stuff, right? I'll always be there for you. If everyone else lets you down, I'm here. <laughs> I'll be here. If you're in a battle, Jesus, you want me in your army, I'm never gonna let you down. <laughs> and Jesus kind of just sees through his pride and sees his weakness. And he just says, you know, as a friend, as a brother, as somebody who loves him, you know, hey, Peter, um, first chill down for a little bit because, you know, when the rooster crows, when the rooster crows, you're actually going to deny me three times. And that's exactly what happened. Jesus gets arrested and a little girl walks up and said, hey, weren't you that guy that was with Jesus? And Peter like, Jesus who? 
Jesus who? I, I don't know what you're talking about. Another woman comes up and he says, hey, weren't you one, with, uh, one of the disciples? Weren't you walking with Jesus? And, you know, Jesus' biggest ally, <laughs> the guy that, you know, just finished doing the bro hug and saying all that stuff says, I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't there. I was home doing a crossword puzzle. And then we read in scripture about a third person that confronts him, Luke 22, verse 59. It says, about an hour later, someone else identified Peter and insisted that he was a disciple of Jesus saying, look at him. He's from Galilee, just like Jesus. I know he's one of them. But Peter was adamant. Listen, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't you understand? I don't even know him. I don't know him. And while the words were still in his mouth, <laughs> right? The rooster crows. Now, you may have skipped over this if you've read this before, but look at this. It says, at that moment, the Lord, who is being led through the courtyard by his captors, turned around and he gazed at Peter. All at once, Peter remembered the words that Jesus had prophesied over him, said, before the rooster crows in the morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. Peter burst into tears, it says, burst into tears and ran off from the crowd and he wept bitterly. It's kind of painful to read, right? And a godly sorrow is I, I cannot believe I did what I did. I'm, I'm so, so sorry. That was, that was stupid. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? In the, in the middle of your best intentions, you say, I'll, I'll, I'll never do that again. And then a short time later, you do it again. I truly love this person with all of my heart. And then in a moment of anger, you say something that you'll regret for days and maybe years. You, you promise yourself that you'll always act a certain way and then you don't. And then you have this epiphany moment. I can't believe I did that. What happened? What happened in me? How could, how could God love someone like me that just never gets it right? We have this self-talk that we, we do that, that I always fall short, that hurts somebody that I love in such a significant way. And listen, the moment that you're there, the enemy has you exactly where he wants you because the moment that you're dwelling in your shame, your spiritual enemy has you in a corner because shame is the devil's playground. Shame is where he wants you. And there's a big difference between a godly sorrow and a shame that personalizes a behavior. What does guilt say? Guilt says, I did something bad. You know, I did something that was wrong, but it's a separate act. It's, it's forgivable. God's grace can cover me. Guilt says, I did something bad. Shame says, I am bad. I am a bad person. And what the devil does is he tries to use your action to connect it with your identity to create a sense of shame. 
That's who I am. From that moment forward, the enemy wants you to believe you are pathetic, you are worthless, you are useless. God will never use you again after what you thought and after what you said. You'll never be happy, you'll never be blessed, you'll never measure up, you'll never have a real ministry. You know, you're, you're, you're always gonna be marked by that thing that you did because you are bad. The pain you're experiencing, oh, that's just payment for your past. You deserve that. That's the enemy. The moment you start dwelling in shame, your spiritual enemy has you exactly where he wants you. And so you can almost imagine what the devil would be telling Peter about this time, right? Peter, you blew it big time. I mean, Jesus trusted you. Jesus, you know, out of all the people on the planet Earth, in the world, selected you, Peter, to be one of his disciples, and then you went off bragging about how great you were and how you'd be there for him, and then you let him down. Doesn't that, doesn't that sound like the enemy, right? You betrayed him, you fell short, and then to top it off, Jesus saw you do it. He was walking by, he looked you right in the eye. And guess what, Peter, all the disciples are gonna know about it, you're never gonna have any credibility again, your life is over, your integrity is over, your ministry is ruined. Peter, you should be so ashamed of yourself. Shame is the devil's playground. What does your spiritual enemy want to do? So the enemy wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. That's what he does with shame. And that's what he does uh, with that, that kind of guilt. You're, no, you're not good enough for God. You'll never really measure up. And what you did, the way you think, the way you behave after what you said, God could never really love you. The devil wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. But God wants to use your guilt or your remorse, that, that Holy Spirit conviction to draw you into his grace. Come on, somebody, can you feel that this morning? He wants to draw you into his grace. Godly sorrow says, I don't want that anymore, but I have a safe place to turn to. I have a God who loves me regardless of anything that I've done. He loves me, a God who still cares about me, a God who receives me. His mercies are new every single morning. The enemy wants to use your shame to drive you away from God. You'll never be successful. You'll never be fulfilled. You'll never have anything significant or meaningful in your life. But our God turns things around for good. He wants to use a godly sorrow, a healthy remorse to draw you into his grace. So you'll receive his mercy and then you're free to do his will. Think about this. It's very similar to comparing what Peter did and what Judas did. They essentially, honestly, they, they, they essentially did the same thing. If, if you don't know Judas' story, it's just like Peter denied you know, Jesus three times. We just read that story. Well, Judas betrayed him one time for 30 pieces of silver, right? And instead of having a godly sorrow in his shame, he had what this verse calls a, a worldly kind of sorrow. This might sound like a lot of us sometimes. I'm so busted, my life is over. I got caught, I'm so embarrassed, I'm so ashamed, I can never face anybody again. After what I did, after what happened, after what everybody saw, or when it comes to the light, that's, that's how I'm gonna feel. And so what did Judas do? In his shame, 
he separated himself from God and he took his own life. Shame is the devil's playground. On the flip side, there was Peter who essentially did the, something very similar to Judas, but instead he had this godly, so I'm so sad that I did this, I was wrong, would you forgive me? It says he went and wept bitterly and God, godly sorrow leads us into this, it says repentance in this translation, this aha moment. A, a lot of translations use that, translate that Greek word metanoia into repentance. So what is repentance? It's simply the result of an aha moment that leads us to God's love. Pastor Patricia, who by the way is, is ministering in Sioux Falls and a bunch of our ladies are over there at a women's retreat this weekend. Um, and, but she, she, she did a whole message on, on the word metanoia um, a couple years ago now probably. It's worth going back into the archives to listen to. But if you take the, even the two parts of the word, re means to turn and pent is kind of like a penthouse. So it's an aha moment turning from a lower way into a higher and better way of thinking. It's an aha moment. God, I, I don't want to ever live like that again. I, I don't want to treat somebody like that again. I want to live in your ways. I want to find freedom. I want to be a blessing. I want to be a voice of hope. That's what you have for me. It's a godly sorrow that leads right to Jesus. I acknowledge that I messed up. God, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not making any excuses for what I did or didn't do. It's a godly sorrow that leads to grace. Jesus went on to give his life. Why? So that you can be set free you know, from your sins, right? And so it's the one who is perfect became sin for us on the cross. So he died in our place and the world went dark three days later. You know, when, when some women went to the tomb to check on things, the stone was rolled away. And so the tomb was empty. The son of God, Jesus was not there, but God has raised him from the dead so that we can be forgiven. So we can experience his grace. That's what it's about. His grace is way more than enough. <laughs> In John's gospel, chapter 21, you can read the rest of Peter's powerful story. Jesus shows up to him, the one who denied Jesus in front of his eyes. And Jesus looked at Peter again. Remember this part of the story? And he said, Peter, do you love me? <laughs> and Peter's like, yes. I love you. I did love you. I do love you. I just did something stupid. <laughs> Isn't that the way it is sometimes? And Peter's like, <laughs> you know, I, I love you. Yes, I, I want to do what's right. Yes, I messed up. I don't know why, but I just did. Yes, I absolutely, without a doubt, love you. And let me tell you what Jesus did not say. He didn't say, I knew you were going to do this. <laughs> he didn't say that, even though he knew he was going to do that. <laughs> he didn't say, you know, he didn't take him back to it. Remember what you did? I want you to think about that, Peter. You're in a spiritual timeout. <laughs> he didn't do that. He didn't take him back. He, he, didn't, he, he, he didn't say, you know, you need to wallow around in your shame for a while. You need to drown in your guilt. He did not do that. Absolutely not. But feel the power and feel the love in this moment. Peter, do you burn with love for me? 
Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. (laughs) And I can imagine Jesus just smiling, saying, and take care of my lambs. In other words, then, then go and share my love. Finish your assignment. You have an assignment. Peter, do you burn with love for me? Yes, my Lord, you know that I have great affection for you. You're forgiven. Grace has covered you. So go and do what I created you to do. Let me tell you what Peter didn't do. (laughs) Peter didn't say, I just can't receive your grace. I'll never get over it. I, I I, I don't deserve it. Your grace may be enough for John, but your grace isn't enough for me. Peter didn't do that, but that's exactly what many of us do. You can't really forgive me. I deserve to live in shame for the rest of my life. You, after what I did? No, here's what Peter did. So pay attention to this. Peter acknowledged his misstep. He apologized. He had this aha moment, this Holy Spirit moment, and he received the forgiveness of Jesus. So now I don't know what you're holding. I don't know what you're holding on to. It might be something that you didn't do years ago that you should have done, something that you did that still weighs on you, something that you said, something (laughs) in a moment of what you look back on now and it feels like just a moment of stupidity. And if you bring that to Jesus... It is forgiven and it is gone. And it is time for you to let it go. Okay. Little exercise as we finish off today. Every time, I want you to I want you to kind of mean it too. I want you to put put some passion in this. I want you to feel this, okay? Every time I say, let it go, I want you to respond by saying, I'm letting go, okay? Let it go. Let it go. Okay, good. God's word says this, 1 John 1, 9, that if we freely admit our sins, when his light uncovers them, listen to this. He will be faithful to forgive us every time. God is just to forgive us our sins because of Jesus, and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that good? So listen, our God is faithful And our God is just, and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Somebody say all unrighteousness. All. All. Yes. So let it go. I'm letting go. Let it go. I'm letting go. I'm letting go. Yes, there we go. We'll get it. We'll get it. So if you've taken it before God, 
Jesus has covered it. Right? God doesn't hold it against you. He has forgiven it. You are free. Do not let the pain of the past rob you from God's calling for your future. Ready? Let it go. Let it go. Yes. Let go the neglect, the lies, the words that you said, the thoughts that you had. Let it go. <laughs> because you need to acknowledge the truth that no matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you will it or how much you want it, you cannot change your past. But the good news of the gospel is that our God can change your future. Amen. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Yes. So you did something that you wish you hadn't. Let it go. <laughs> you betrayed someone. Let it go. All right? And spend the rest of your life then being faithful. Right? You, you, you got hooked early on on something that you wish you weren't hooked on, but you're free now. So live and walk in the freedom that you have and help others find that same freedom. Let me ask you a question. Do you love him? Yes. And feed his sheep. Right? What does that mean? Do his will. He's got a purpose and he's got a plan for you. Let it go. All right, so maybe you misstepped and you feel like you let God down and you let yourself down or you let somebody else down. It's all covered by what Jesus has done for you, so don't live in the past. Let it go. Let it go. Whatever it is. You smoked something last night. You drank too much last night. You slept with somebody last night. Let it go. I'm letting it go. All right, all right. So here's what's going to happen. Because your spiritual enemy is sly, every now and then he's going to try to bring up your past. Well, you did this and you thought that and you said this and, and you weren't there for them and you let them down and you can never undo that. That's what he does. And anytime the devil brings up your past, just remind yourself that he's bringing up your past because he's intimidated by your future. God's hand is still on you. His grace is still in you. Holy Spirit power will still work through you. Just remind yourself that your enemy is trying to talk you out of God's potential for your life. Think about Peter. This means so much to me. Think about this. Who did God choose to be the guest speaker at Pentecost? <laughs> when God poured out his Holy Spirit. Who did God choose? God chose Peter. And what was Peter's message? It was very simple. <laughs> and it was unbelievably powerful. Peter said, 
Stop doing what you used to do, right? I have a God who will make you a new creation. Call on the name of Jesus and you will be saved and you will be forgiven. Think about who God chose to preach his truth to lead people to grace. He didn't choose the one who was perfect. He chose the one who was forgiven. (laughs) He didn't choose the one who was always faithful. He chose the one who had experienced his grace. If you've been forgiven of much, guess what? There is something to that because you can love that much more. So let me ask you again. Do you love him? Yes. Feed his sheep. Do his will. He has a purpose and he has a plan for your life. You are not what you did. That's something that you did. That is not who you are. The devil wants you uh, t- to connect your action to identity. Bless you. <laughs> You did something bad and he wants you to think that you'll always be something bad, but Jesus makes all things new. That's what he does. He makes all things new. That's that's what I did, not who I am. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. Yes, that was a bad page in the book. That was a bad chapter in my life, but my story is not over yet. God is writing my story And so I'm going to come to a day where I say, this is my story, that Jesus covered me with his grace, his truth, rescued me and set me free. God is still writing my story. And I am confident of this. This is my story. Jesus, he's the headline. (laughs) He's at the header of every chapter. He's the rescue in every chapter, (laughs) right? (laughs) Sometimes every paragraph. (laughs) Paul said this, and we'll close with this. I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this gracious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you just need to stamp that on your heart. That's kind of a life verse right there. That's, that's, a, that's a good one to know, right? I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began the the good work in you, the gracious work in you will continue that work and the process of maturing you until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever it is, the weight, the guilt, the shame, take it to the one who died for it, amen? Confess it, take it to Jesus and find freedom. Let it go. Okay, so Father, we just ask in the name of your son that you would do spiritual surgery on our hearts this morning. As we pray, um, those of you that kind of still feel the weight of something that you did or didn't, didn't do, said, or shouldn't have said, I just want you to find the freedom from that this morning. So would you, if you want to let it go, would you just lift up your hands right now just in response Nobody needs to be looking around. This is just a a time of responding to God's word this morning. God, thank you that today is a day of freedom. And every day with you is a day of freedom. That whoever the sun sets free, God, we know is free indeed. And I pray, God, today for a miracle in our hearts. That we would step out of shame and into your grace. 
That's the story that you have for us, out of guilt and into your freedom, that we would recognize that a godly sorrow leads us directly to you and brings us life. God, for whoever is living in the shame of the past, just help us to step out of that and to step into your grace. Receive your forgiveness even right now, God, and just letting it go to do your will. That's what we're, we're doing. We, we let go of that and we grab hold on to your purposes, your plans for us. God, by the power of the one that you raised from the dead, God, help us to let it go. And as you have forgiven us, God, so we receive your forgiveness and we begin to forgive others, God. That's this whole story. That's this whole arc. So this morning, we let it go. Our sins are forgiven. God, you remember it no more. You are free from the past to do God's will in the future. So all of us this morning, we just let it go. Let it go. Thank you, Lord. So as we keep on praying, nobody's looking around. Just reflecting on this this morning, there are those of you, um, if we had an honest conversation, you might say that you don't really know where you stand with God. You really may feel the weight and the, the guilt of the past, and maybe that weighs heavy, and you think that you have to be really, really good and do lots of really good things to make up for all the bad things and stop doing all the bad things, and that's a task. But what you, when you do that, you know, we all come to realize the harder you try that there's really no stopping point. So you just keep on trying and trying, and that's not a proper understanding of the grace of God. The grace of God is just so big. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the, the son of God who was perfect in every way. And he never ever sinned and that's why he was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He became sin on the cross and he died in our place and his death was substitutionary death. He died so we didn't have to. He paid the price so we didn't have to pay the price. And God raised him from the dead proving that that death and hell, it's all been conquered and Jesus is risen. And anybody who calls on his name, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. It doesn't matter how dark your life is. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, whose sins are forgiven. And so the old is gone and everything becomes new. In fact, there are those of you, maybe you're watching even on the live stream this morning or listening on a podcast on the archives or watching online or you're right here right now and you know that you want a relationship with Jesus. It's all coming up to this moment and you're not watching by accident. You're not here by accident. You're here at this moment and this time because of the goodness and the grace of God. He's drawing you even right now. Holy Spirit is drawing you and when you pray, you can call on him and he hears your prayers and he forgives you. He separates them even as far as the east is from the west and you become spiritually new. So those of you that would just say this morning with nobody looking around, yes, I want his grace, I want his forgiveness. I turn from this mess and I turn towards Jesus today. I wanna to give my life to him. If that's you, would you just lift your hands high right now with nobody looking? Thank you, Jesus. All right. Thank you, God. We're gonna pray this prayer together. And I want all the saints praying. You know, by the time 
we don't think about this sometimes when we're here on Sunday morning, but if you're here in the room, um, these services get watched sometimes three, 400 times by the end of the week. And so as we're praying right now, we're not just praying for those um, in the room, but for those that are watching online. So as we all pray this together, would you just pray with faith that someone would say yes to, to Jesus this morning? Let's all pray this together. Father God, I give you my heart. I give you my life. All that I am is yours. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for me, giving your life. My sins, I surrender. My life, I surrender. All that I am is yours. I want to follow you. That's what this is about. I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.